them those things. But now you don't believe those things. That's a weird, that's a strange kind of predicament now because maybe they still do and they're confused that you don't. That, my friends, is Dustin Nickerson, comedian who has a new special on YouTube entitled Overwhelmed. I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, this conversation with Dustin went a direction that I did not foresee at all in the least. Now, I knew Dustin used to be a youth pastor, and so when I reached out to him, I was like, yeah, youth pastor turned comedian. There's plenty we can talk about. Uh, I, I thought we were going to talk a lot about comedy, but uh, it took a strong turn that I didn't foresee. Uh, it actually took the turn right before we hit record. Um, now, I know a lot of you uh, have been listening to the podcast and going, you know what? Uh, we need some more white guys to talk about Mars Hill. Uh, we just had a lot of feedback from people going, hey, you know, we, we want some more white guys uh, to talk about Mars Hill. And uh, lucky for you, today's the day. Because what I found out just seconds before we hit him record was that Dustin Nickerson was a youth pastor at Mars Hill in uh, Ballard, I think that's the name of the, where the campus was. So this is the Mark Driscoll uh, story, which we have been talking about a few times on the podcast. And uh, so he, he talks a lot about it. And one of the things that you're going to hear in this is his own experience. And you know, he talks about there are a lot of orphans that were left over uh, from Mars Hill. And I, th- I think you can hear in his uh, in his words, um, you know, that he's been through a lot. And I really appreciate him being genuine and being willing to talk about it. And I think uh, you're going to find it very informative. But, uh, you know, also he's, he puts some funny in there. So, like, don't act like, hey, this comedian is not going to be funny. He's, he's funny. But uh, there's a lot more going on under the surface than just the jokes. So uh, check out the podcast. Check out his special, which is entitled Overwhelmed. It's on Netflix. It's brilliant. Check it out. And here is the podcast. Uh, welcome back to the show, friends. Today we have actually in my office... Right next to me, Dustin Nickerson. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Thanks, man. I just, uh, so everybody has the visual. I, you know, I want you guys to know that Luke is just holding a half little microphone stand. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad looking. No, I feel like you're at any time you can beat me with it. It looks like a weapon. Yeah, it, it actually is that. I didn't know where this is going to go, but I wanted violence to be definitely at any part time. Of it. Yes. If I just mouth off, yes, just a, just a not just a spare the rod type situation. Exactly, because I don't want to spoil the comedian. Exactly, <laughs> I want what's best for you. It yeah. might not feel like it's best for you, but in the long run, honestly, sure. No, I get it. It's going to hurt me more than hey, it's going to hurt you. Thy rod and thy staff, buddy. Yes, that's that's what we're here for, uh, <laughs> Dustin. You obviously being a comedian, uh, you're now in a church recording a podcast let me ask you does this kind of like rekindle a little fire that you have for church work maybe you feel like ah, this is what? oh lord no <laughs> no no, not, no not in not if anything it affirms <laughs> and i go all right this is not not being in a you, church of course i still go in church you hate my you know? office is what you're saying oh no, no 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 it's okay. lovely okay. uh you know it's uh that's you know yeah it's the closest i've ever seen you know, a uh, biblical eldership book next to a Willie Nelson portrait. Um, yeah, someone actually gave that to me in my congregation. The portrait or the the book? The Willie Nelson. Because the book would be funnier if they're like, hey, <laughs> pastor, we think you should read this. We think yeah. like. I get a lot of those like passive-aggressive books. Sure. Yeah, it started when I was in high school and my girlfriend gave me uh, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. <laughs> and uh, she also used Had to- you kissed her at that point? Uh, whew, that's a good question. Uh, I think I probably had, like, we've been yeah. dating for a while. But you were that bad of a kisser as a she's teenager. Like, just, she's like, let's not do this anymore. Let's just kiss dating goodbye instead of each other. <laughs> and she she later gave me, like, yeah. some articles about being tone deaf, like, singing yeah. tone deaf. 
And uh, she, it was a very literarily wow. abusive relationship. No kidding. She's probably like some mean librarian right now, just giving out. That's hysterical. Yeah. That's, we, we one time, we had a, an extended family member after we went to visit their house, gave us a book about disciplining our kids. <laughs> and we're like, all right, message received. Got it. And we are not bringing them over here anymore. <laughs> but no, it doesn't. I uh, for a million reasons, I uh, I don't I don't have any desire to be a pastor anymore. Okay, the right before we started recording, you told me that you worked at Mars Hill, as in like the Mark Driscoll Mars Hill. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, something. As if the as if the other Mars Hill would be less controversial, the Rob Bell one. Well, like that one still exists. That message though, the messages is don't name your <laughs> your, uh, your church Mars Hill. Yeah, I guess Rob Bell didn't uh, when he left. It didn't uh, implode. Yeah. Yeah, I worked for there for seven years. That is absolutely great. Now, I feel like I've talked about that because of the super just, popular podcast. Yeah, you just did a pod on it, right? Yeah. You, oh, wow. Someone did the research. Hey, you know. But uh, that podcast has been amazing. I'm waiting for you now, I guess, to be a special interview. To- oh, I, I, there is a reason that nobody, I, I, Mike Casper, who I think is doing a great job on it. I like somebody was like, when are you going to be on any upcoming episodes? And I just laughed. I just, I was like, you guys think that the former youth pastor, slash now stand-up comedian is the guy who's <laughs> going to be the hot take Mars Hill guy that he, I'm not the value of credibility and the, you know, the, the, the voice of reason that they're looking for. Mm. The reason that I, now for context, I started, I worked at Mars Hill from like, I was nine, I think I was 19 when I started interning there, 20, something like that mm. from, and it was like that until I was like 27. And, and I, the reason that I, which seven years at Mars Hill is an eternity. No, it's like dog years. Barely anybody. Like it felt, you know, it was like a prison sentence is what it was, <laughs> you know? Uh, but that's not true. There was, there was a lot of good times, but the, um, the, those, uh, part of the reason that I made it that long is because of my insignificance. Like I didn't do anything. I didn't know anything. I didn't like, I didn't, I left four or five years before everything imploded. We always say, me and my wife always say like, we left before the crap hit the fan, but it was rising, you know? Mm. And, uh, but I was, you know, I was in San Antonio on Thursday, just talking to a former youth group student who runs a brewery now and just like gave me a hug and handed us a six pack. And I was like, I was a good youth pastor. <laughs> I was good at this. If this is what my students are saying. But one thing that we said, and you know this for many youth ministry days that you had, you, in, in youth, you're always kind of have your own little thing going on. Yeah. And that's what it was. It was like, there were these things, but you, you didn't know a lot about it. You just kind of, that wasn't your ministry. That was your world. You know, you're doing your retreats. You have your, cause you operate as this like little mini church kind of within the church in so many ways. So, Yes, there's tons of uh, Marcel things that have happened, and there's tons of you have tons of thoughts on it. But I, I'm not a like a significant storyteller. One of the reasons that I was so encouraged, I am so encouraged by that pod, is you kind of need like if you did a documentary about um, you know like Microsoft and Bill Gates wasn't on it, you're like no no, no that, those are who you need to focus on. I was just like some like little plebe who went and gotten people there or like watch the kids while they went and made their decision. So uh, that that's what's great about it. there are there's so many voices on that podcast that were in those rooms on yeah. those trips in those meetings and I wasn't, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you uh, came out unscathed. You survived. Your well, time I know I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't throw around words like unscathed. They're not damaged, and you know, have uh, so, so some know. damage, some scathing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, hmm. I want to know, but I'm not going to pry you, you on that. You can ask anything you want. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I mean, I, I wasn't planning to do Marceau because I feel like I've talked about Marceau a lot on the podcast sure. recently. But, like, I'm curious, like, if you say you didn't come out unscathed and you didn't come out undamaged, like... Yeah, I mean, what comes through... Everybody has a different... Everybody experiences things differently. Everybody, um, like, uh, you know, there's a subjectiveness and to how an event happens and how that how that hits you, where that hits you, what you've experienced at that point in your life. Like a lot of the things with Marcel, you see is part of the reason it had such dramatic effect is you had so many people there that had no faith in anything before that. And that was the faith home that they knew, which is part of the reason that it was such a tragedy. You know, I remember one pastor saying like, if anyone's like dancing on the grave of this church, what are we doing here, guys? Like there's a lot of orphans because of this situation. So... You know, what What it was is I, listen, what was great about uh, the Mars Hill that we left was not the Mars Hill we landed at. What we landed about, when we landed at Mars Hill, it was 1,500 people in this, uh, this venue in Ballard, and it was punk rock. It was Seattle. It was... Every it was that first, uh, you know, uh, what was that radical reformation book where mm-hmm. it was it was dark. I, I the music alone, the music was the primary reason that I was there. I was like, really? this is Seattle. I'm like a Seattle '90s grunge kid. This is what I like. This is what this feels like. And it felt for us. It felt young and relevant and different. And that's what it was, and that's what it wasn't at the end. And by the end, you were just like, oh, yeah, I know what a narcissist is. That's what this is. You know, yeah. this had changed. It had become about the brand. It had become about the like, the the look and the money and the spending and the expansion. And, you know, it's kind of like, felt like, uh, you know, feels like when like your, your favorite band sells out type thing. <laughs> you gotcha. know, it had changed a lot. So I think that for me, you know, who leans skeptical anyways... I mean, it certainly only cemented that. So now when you see things that like, you know, so when you see things like, uh, when you ask questions like, do you have any desire to like be on a church staff again? It goes, absolutely not. One one of the things that was hard for us that I can only speak personally is you, I don't like when people's profession is wrapped up with their personal beliefs. I think that's a really dangerous job to have. Because if your beliefs change, which all beliefs change, are you no longer qualified for that position? Did you have this platform where you preach those beliefs at time aggressively and in a very commanding way and oftentimes in an authoritarian way as a pastor? But now you've changed your mind, but you've kind of left that imprint on there. So if you're a pastor at uh, a reformed church and you decide that... uh, you know what? Actually, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Jonah was a metaphor. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe it's a metaphor. Maybe it wasn't an actual fish. Are you not qualified for that position anymore? Do you have? That's what I mean. Like, I think that um, a lot of my skip. What part? The reason that I, I walked away was I didn't feel free to really kind of wrestle with my faith and my thoughts and where I stood on things because I didn't want that stuff to like affect my employment status if yeah. that makes sense so. well and if you're there you started working around 20 20 yeah, yeah. so yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. to 26 27 I didn't even have a fully formed brain yet man <laughs> no seriously you you like the last two years it was it was fully yeah cooked, exactly but, but most people go through a lot of spiritual formation during that time and yeah not just like like how they're acting, but also what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's super normative for anyone's spiritual trajectory to go through a lot of change during that time. And if you feel like you can't do that, 
that's got to be tough. Yeah, I mean, do, do you not feel that as a pastor now? That you feel like, because you're a part of a denomination, you preach yeah. every Sunday, and it, your beliefs certainly change. Yeah, but... Uh, I don't trust anyone who believes what they believe in their 20s, in their adult I, life. I agree. I'm highly, I'm, I'm skeptical. At, at best, I'm like, skeptical. At worst, I'm like, this might, might be a sociopath, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think my, my faith changed a lot, like around like late 20s 30s i started preaching when i was young mm-hmm. uh, i was 19 i started preaching every sunday mm-hmm. and then you know finished seminary started preaching full-time at 24 and so like 24 to 30 like there was a lot of like formation like processing what i learned in grad school mm-hmm. like processing real life experiences um luckily during a lot of that time like i was at a church that i started and so there was a lot of wiggle room for me to sure. to be learning stuff on the fly because it wasn't kind of the the platform that Mars Hill in Seattle or even in Grand Rapids was where, you know, people would scrutinize everything you said, but there was right. like a community where people were able to kind of grow together. But I, yeah, I, I, I think it changes a lot. And mm-hmm. if you're in a situ- situation where you can do that, like that's super unhealthy for everyone. I agree. I think you need to be, you know, that, and that's what I, it wasn't, it wasn't just Mars Hill. It was, I just, in that, in that ministry mode in general, like where you feel People are coming to you for answers, and you know they've you people believe certain things because you taught them those things, and now you don't believe those things. That's a weird. That's a strange kind of predicament now because maybe they still do and they're confused that you don't, or they think that you walked away because you don't believe those things, or you're some kind of prodigal now. I think, you know, I mean, much has been said about you know Christian celebrity culture, but just celebrity culture in general. You know, that is um, very dangerous for those reasons, that people kind of get caught up in an idea of what you are, and they start to identify themselves with you in that season of their life and what you mean to them and what you stand for. And, uh, you know, I I didn't feel just comfortable in that. There was years where, uh, there were great years where I felt like, you know, I was, I had meaningful relationships with people and uh, meaningful conversations and discipleship and mentorship or whatever yeah. that may be. But also one thing I don't like about the, you know, I mean, it's, it's probably similar to uh, the job of a therapist is you just go, man, like, this is a tough job to like learn on because when you play it wrong, you negatively affect people's lives. Yeah. Like that's a thing that a pastor has to carry, which is like you gave some bad advice to somebody one time and you put them on a negative trajectory of their life. Yeah. That, thanks for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for reminding me. No, I, I remember clear as day being 25 and there was yeah. a situation that was a lot bigger than, than what I was ready to, to handle in terms mm-hmm. of like conflict. And I, I gave some advice that I regret to this day. And I fear that like their understanding of church leadership and their ability to trust a church is diminished because of sure. a thoughtless phone conversation I mm-hmm. had in which I was parroting the advice of leaders who were over me suggesting that right. I should say something. And yeah. like, I, yeah, I know that. Like, that's, that sucks really bad. Yeah. And that's, again, there's uh, the, the words that I always use is I, I no longer had any interest in being a professional Christian. I didn't like that my job and my faith were synonymous. Yeah. I had no interest in that whatsoever. And I'm not saying that certain people shouldn't. Um, I don't believe that at all. But I I have no interest in it, you know. And and through those Marcel years, there there I would say just I mean, there's a lot of perspective. There's a lot of things that you um 
you know what it caused me probably more than anything to do is when like stuff happens in church right now where like I I find myself rolling my eyes a lot. That's what I find myself. What do you mean roll what budgetary decisions, decisions in um you know like you see like we were recently at that we watched a, a, a you know there was a church transition into a church in our area where the pastor was leaving and you were just listening to the words that he was saying versus the words that the guy who was the se- or the you know the executive pastor the description of the transition and you go these guys just didn't like each other this is there we know what's actually happening here there's that you've 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 you've, you've, you've pulled back the curtain a little bit yeah when you're on a church staff, especially a mega church staff, and you go, hey, we had to let this guy go, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's really a bummer. We're all lamenting it. We're all really sad of it. And then you look around, and you're like, how much do these LED lights cost? Because I'm pretty sure you fired your kid's pastor so you could buy LED lights. Almost positive. you know. So there's an amount of just skepticism and a jadedness that's hard to shake. You hmm. know, If you watch a thing grow... And it has a very kind of uh, organic feel at first. It has kind of um, um, just a really like you're a part of something type feel. And then you watch it change and then you watch it fall. Hmm. It will uh, cause you to be less excited it, and, and hard to get excited about, uh, you know, ministry and, yeah. and, and church work in general. I was expecting us to talk about some jokes. No, this no, guy, no. This got pretty, pretty heavy, really fast. When okay, so you've got three kids. You've got mm-hmm. a teenager. Two, uh, almost the second one's going to be yeah. a teenager soon. Uh, when you're trying to connect your kids to church, like, how, do you find yourself going? Like, how, how do you? I, you know, most I want my kids to be Christians, and as a general rule, people walk away from their faith, right, it, or whatever their parents' faith is. So we're raising them to be atheists. We're doing reverse <laughs> psychology. That's there you smart. go. There's your ch- There's we feel that they'll rebel against us and become Christian. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a good judo move right there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but how do you like? We'll just, you, we just we just we smoke in front of them. We're like, no, smoking's the coolest. You guys should totally do it. Just Coors Light every night. That's yeah, what we mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, no. So our um, like, how do how do you like tell your kids church is important when it's been? I, I mean, I, we I'm still not, go to church. I know, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just complicated for you. Like, of course, I, it's complicated. Yeah. Well, we don't. Um, I don't feel a pressure to to form those beliefs for them. I feel they know what we believe. We have honest conversations with them about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a part of faith communities. They they, yeah. they go to church. They go to youth group. They know that it's a part of our life, but they know that we have a lot of things that we're fairly open-handed about, you know? So hmm. whatever the conversations are, like, they kind of come to us. They're at the ages now where they kind of come to us with different issues, different questions. You know, we still pray before meals. Like, they know that it's like a a vibrant part of our life, but we don't, it's not heavy-handed, you know. Hmm. I'm much more interested in uh, just kind of letting them find their ways and knowing. I've been thinking more and more of parenting feels to me a lot like... like when you go bowling and you set up the the gutter rails, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I feel like. I'm just here to make sure you don't go in the gutter. Hmm. Like I'm here to guide you, but you have to throw the ball, and you're probably sometimes you'll hit a strike, and other times you'll hit one pin. I'm gonna keep you out of the gutter, though. You have this safety net that is us, yeah. you know, and we're gonna protect you, and obviously all those things. But you know, we kind of have those conversations as they come up because usually they don't come; they come up in the context of their lives, their friends. You know, like the young one's still seven, so she's asking questions about death and heaven and those type things. Those are still the type questions on on their lives uh, that she's wrestling with. And my son, who just started high school, we're 
teaching him lessons about how a bad company corrupts good morals and how to choose good friends and, you know, what it means to, to treat others as yourself. You know, like all those, those are the kind of the, the guiding principles that we use now as opposed to, you know, memorizing verses at the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that. Again, not opposed to that. I, I, you know, that's just kind of where we're at as a family, but we feel like it would be disingenuous and inauthentic to produce to be act like we were something other than that right now. Like hmm. my, my wife and I are who we were. She was, you know, the the raised small Baptist church, uh, a want a certificate kid, you know, yeah. like all the way through, went to Christian school, you know, that uh, Christian college, like that, that was her. And then went into Mar- Mars Hill and experienced that. I was the raised in a non-religious home, became like the poster child youth group kid, went, then went to Marcel. So we are just kind of where we're at. And it feels, it would feel like doing a disservice to our kids. Like we would be being something other than who we are yeah. to, 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 to like kind of polish it up and, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and present packages answers that we don't, I think a lot of Christian parents present Christian like packaged answers to their kids that they don't believe. And I don't think hmm. that helps your kid, hmm. you know? <laughs> what do you think it does to kids? Like, as a youth pastor, what would you say, like, it does to kids when they get packaged answers that at some point they go, wait a minute. Well, that- I mean, if you're someone like my wife, uh, you know, like, who, uh, who's, uh, you know, an Enneagram 4, the idea of a, a simplified packaged answer makes your your skin crawl yeah and you feel insulted by it yeah and rightfully so because it kind of is insulting yeah when you when someone comes to you with their whole heart and brings you their pain or their questions or their disgust or their hurt and you throw a thing at them like you just throw like well this is what i read this is like i always say like a lot of christian counseling and is like uh did you watch portlandia Portlandia, watched an episode or two. Portlandia was this old sketch where they go into this, uh, uh, there's these like designers mm-hmm. and what they do is they take anything and they put a bird on it and now it's artistic and it's literally, the yeah, sketch yeah. is called put a bird on it. So see this lamp? We put a bird on it. Mm-hmm. It's better now. That's what I feel like a lot of Christians do with verses or like certain things you go, oh, well, you're struggling with depression. Well, here's yeah. Philippians 2 or anxiety. Don't be depressed anymore. Like yeah. I think sometimes... I, I think you know kid, we give we don't give kids enough credit for their their I think for a lot of kids their EQ rises before their IQ and they can sense when you're not empathizing with them when you're not connecting with them when you're being something yeah. other than just there for them of course this is you know there's exceptions to this and there are times what you need to provide with your kid is like a solidified answer we're yeah. not like you know just we're not trying to be you know thrown back and forth by the waves yeah, but. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it, I don't, I think maybe in some of those younger, more formative years, it is a great like bedrock for them to, to build from, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily think it helps them later on because a lot of kids like that, I, you see them go one or two routes, which was like, this was insulting. This didn't help me. And they kind of rebel and they become very jaded towards it. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, sometimes they can go the pharisaical route, which is like, it just becomes like law to them. Yeah. So as you're saying this, I'm thinking about a, a line from uh, a guy named Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan priest. I don't know if, if you know who that is. But um, Rohr has this thing where he would uh, never be considered as uh, conservative by anyone who's ever read anything he's ever <laughs> written or said. But he makes the observation that it's best for kids to grow up conservative 
and then kind of branch out from there. Mm. And I think what he's saying is like, you need to have a foundation that you can start with, but then know that you're eventually going to kind of like outgrow those training wheels. Yeah. And I, like for me as a parent, I'm thinking I, I want to give, I want to give my kids a foundation that they don't have to tear so much of it away. Mm. And so for me, it's been always like, there's a lot of stuff that I grew up thinking that at some point I go, man, like the Jonah thing you referenced. Yeah. I, I grew up thinking if this isn't real, then the whole thing falls apart. Right, 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 right. right. And so I want to create like a, a foundation for them, kind of like the like the gutter metaphor that you use, mm-hmm. where like there's stuff I want to keep you in the lane. Right. But I also don't want to put things at the end of the lane that right. are going to impede your ability to kind of go all right. the way where you need to go. And so I, I've always wrestled with that. And so my kids are like, okay, well, is uh, it, are Adam and Eve literal people? And I'm like, well, I, I don't think that's really the like the most important question yeah. to answer. I think the, the bigger question is like, what is this story trying to communicate yeah. to us? What is useful sure. for teaching, correcting, rebuking in this? And, you know, for me, it was growing up, it was a lot like, let me have all the answers so I feel like I can have something I can really be grounded in. Instead sure. of like a trajectory of like, hey, this is where you're starting, this is where you're going to go, and I don't want to like set up obstacles that inhibit their growth down the road. Yeah. yeah, I totally get that, and I don't disagree with it. I think that my our, we're doing a very similar thing and that our but our priority is very um it's not like uh intellectual based it's not answers no. to questions based it's very how you're treating people's based that's no. like those are the things that we talk about in our home more than anything hmm. like all that matters is how you treat people tell me why like that's the priority for y'all i mean i think it's the priority of the bible i think it's yeah. the, i think it's the foundation that the bible is built on right it's it, it, love god love people jesus says it summarizes the whole book yeah uh and so for us the bible starts there as far as not you know obviously not chronologically but as far as the foundation goes mm-hmm. like if they get anything from the fact that their their parents are christians I want them to get that that meant that they are selfless and treat others better and that relationships are the most important thing in the world. And yeah. that's what stems from their faith. Because the what is was lost in a lot of Christian parenting was they had all the answers, but they were awful people. <laughs> like like they, they told me all these things, but my dad was my mom and dad fought all the time. They never talked to the neighbors. We never had people over. They weren't nice to my sister. They weren't like nice to my friends. They dad was like a you know, like and, and then when you do build that and then morally your life falls apart, then everything that you said comes undone. Yeah. And that happens so much. That you, people go like, well, yeah, my dad, you know, we, uh, what's the thing called where they like, uh, um, I, the, how, I, I've been out of ministry too much. You know, where you like memorized like the little different scriptures and facts. Like Bible Bowl? Yeah. No, no, no. Like at uh, the Bible? little, the little books, the, um, Apologetics? No, trivia. No, 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 no. I, I got no clue. It doesn't matter. Um, but like that, your 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 parents teach you all the songs and all the verses and all those things, okay. and then like you know you're like your dad cheats on your mom or whatever, and like leaves the family, and you're like what? Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Did wasn't all so all of that was shame. wrong there? Yeah. All of that was so. There's a real danger, and sometimes just you know, and uh, that's not reason not to do it, but it's just what I'm saying is is. That's not really the way that me and my wife are like trying to present the ethos of the Christian faith to them. The ethos to us of the Christian faith is what they see and how me and my wife love each other, how we sacrifice for each other, how we love and care for them, and then how we love and care for other people. Yeah. And so when we'll, our kids will, like, I mean, it, it, 
you know, like the biggest things in the world that come up for our kids who are older are like, you know, what about my kid who just uh, decided or is a different gender now and goes by a different name or they're gay or they're straight or whatever it may be or, uh, you know, they're cis now. And I and we go, ah, it doesn't matter. You just got to love them. Yep. That's all that matters. It, there's no agreeing, disagreeing. At your, it, all, it doesn't matter. You, you sit down, you have lunch with him, you talk to him, you treat him like a human. It's literally all that matters hmm. is, is how you treat that person and, uh, you know, and empathize and care for them. So, I mean, it, so in a lot of ways, what you're saying, we still are doing, but it's all very, uh, I don't want to say actions-based. I don't want to say works-based because I don't want to trigger anybody, <laughs> <laughs> any of the listeners here, but it is all relational-based. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I mean, there are certain things that we put the omen on them. There's lots of little catchphrases around our house, like attitude and effort. That's all that matters, right, is attitude and effort and okay. all that kind of stuff. But the when it comes to anything to do with faith, religion, Christianity, scripture, of which, I mean, my kids, like, two of the three went to, like, Awana. Like, they know the verses. It's in there. Like, they're, you know. um, But that, the Awana was a good example of you just felt we had one kid that really liked it and resonated with it. The other kid didn't. He didn't want to do it anymore. And you're like, that's fine. I'm not going to force you to put on that vest. You know, (laughs) this isn't, if you're not, if this isn't helping you in any way and building a positive association with Christianity and the church and these people, Mm -hmm. then it's okay. There'll be something else here for you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But how they responded, so they know all those things, but now as they kind of get into their older years, we just hope that... Um, you know, that kind of the, the overflow of that in, in our lives and in our household just comes again uh, down to nothing but people. That's, that's, the, that's the only thing that we focus on. Hmm. That's good. I mean, I mean, we'll see if it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, your kids might be monsters. They might and... come out as just being like really very, very kind people. I've asked this question before. Would you rather uh, your kid be a Christian a-hole or like a kind atheist? <sighs> wow, that's a great question. I mean, I'm in the church. I, I feel like I should answer Christian a but I feel like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good. Like, those things seem You're going to gonna tell me you've never met a Christian a-hole? No, I, I, <laughs> again, like the intro- I'm not even saying if they're actually Christian or not, because well, let's not get into the debate. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. someone who says they're a Christian, goes to church, goes do all the things, but it's just has the, the reputation worst. of an a-hole. Yeah, wow. That's your kid, not someone in your church. That's your kid. I mean... Or just the kindest, sweetest person who's like, hey, this is a sham. When we die, we just die. I don't believe Jesus wasn't real. Well, he was real, but he didn't resurrect. He wasn't the son of God. Yeah. Sweetest, kindest, best reputation at work. Everybody loves him, has barbecues in his community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one you want to be around more, obviously. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I would probably, like, you You lean towards a person who, who reflects love, because mm-hmm. I think that's who God is. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, then I don't yeah. really know what you are reflecting. I think the kind atheist is more likely a Christian in my heart. Yeah. That's what I go. I go, yeah, there's something in there. Maybe you're not at a point where you're comfortable articulating it right now. Yeah. Maybe you got some stuff in your own heart. But anytime you see genuine kindness, you're like, that's, that's, there's something of the divine in there. Yeah. And to, to be a pastor for a second, like the Jesus text where he goes, if you loved people who were in prison, who were hungry, who were yeah. naked, you did things for them, yeah. you're connected to me. And exactly. those who said they were connected to me, but they didn't do those things, right. ah, you're pretty far away from me. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's, like, Jesus would kind of have some texts that go, yeah, yeah that, that kind of is consistent. I'm with you. I mean, to me, 
a Christian a-hole does uh, more damage to the Christian faith than the atheist. Yeah, for sure. The atheist is just like, no, that's not for me. Yeah. You guys can have that, but I'm kind. But the person who's like a bad representation of the things that you believe, whew. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. That's, I, you know, I, this is to, to make it, I, I always, I think about, uh, uh, there's a lot of people that are like uh, anti-mask or anti-vax to kind of make There it are look, people like that? Yeah, exactly. I didn't know Not that. in this state. Um, <laughs> not here in the state of Texas. But sometimes I think like, if you were like, say you were against math and you had genuine convictions that you're like, hey, this isn't helping. The CDC kept changing their mind. Even Fauci yeah. wasn't against it at first. Maybe they have some valid points to thoughts to what they, and, and uh, okay, that's one thing. And, but then they look at the person who's like yelling at the Ross security guard who's making yeah. twelve fifty an hour. Like, you're probably going like, dude, uh, no, 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 no. Like, I agree with you, but we can't do that. Yeah, I'm that, not You're making me look bad here. You're Now everyone thinks that we're that. That's like me being upset with my child's education and yelling at the cross guard. Like, that, I'm not even talking to the right person here. I think that's the same thing as the Christian a-hole. You're like, come on, man. Like, no, I agree with some of the things that you believe, but you're making us all look bad here. Yeah. I think that's way more. If you genuinely believe in, in Christianity and the expansion of it, da-da-da-da, and spreading the gospel, then that, that guy's your actual enemy. Yeah. That guy's doing way more yeah (laughs) yeah when i was a kid i was taught taking god's name in vain means like saying the wrong thing when you stub your toe yeah i think it really now more means you take on the name of god saying i'm a representative of god but then you act like the person yelling at the uh raw security person totally like i think that's what taking god's name in vain is because you disrespect what everyone else is trying Mm. to be a part of and you you sully the water so everyone else goes yeah i I don't want to be in that team. Yeah. I see how you guys act. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's something to that, which is good because a lot of time when I stub my toe, I <laughs> I say some words that are frowned upon. It hurts every time. So bad. When you say the words or when you stub your toe? To stub the toe. Okay. Just, yeah. Just checking. <laughs> yeah. What? Huh. Again, I didn't think this conversation was going this direction. I'm very excited about it. This hey, is good. I'm, I'm trying to sprinkle in some funny here. No, but, you're doing you know, great. I'm not be, saying you're on funny. I'm just... Like, with his comedian. It was interesting. He he's bombed. just sad. He, he bombed for 45 minutes. He just bombed. Now... So you did the Mars Hill thing. Mm-hmm. Are you starting to do comedy while you're there? No, I start comedy when we moved to San Diego. Okay. Which would have been about 10 years ago. What Did you do something in, in between? Yeah, I, uh, I had a buddy who started a church plant. I worked there for about... Uh, I don't remember how long I worked there for. But at that point... You were still doing church stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. I was like a co-pastor. It was like a church plant. We were kind of getting it going. But I, it, though, I was... I loved my friend that we were doing there. Even within like the, the first couple of months, we're like, all right, it's, this is... You knew you were done with ministry. Yeah, we honestly, we kind of just... We left to leave Mars Hill. We were done with Mars Hill. We were out. We hadn't... We didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Hmm. So... That that was kind of an excuse to get us down there, and we're like, well, we'll go try this. And then I I did a for the start of my comedy career, I worked at a rec center uh, through the Salvation Army, kind of like a YMCA. It wasn't like a Christian job by any sense; it was just happened to be through the Salvation Army. Um, and so I worked at that rec center as like a membership manager for five or six years, and had started comedy at that time too, and did both those jobs until hmm. going pro in comedy. Going pro. Yeah. Your touring yeah. card. Yeah, exactly. So you you were leaving Mars Hill more than leaving ministry? Yeah. To get- yeah, but we didn't know the leave ministry thing. Because, you know, like, say you wake up tomorrow and you're like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. You don't got a lot of qualifications elsewhere. So you, we kind of, like, landed and just kind of were setting up roots 
in that community. And then we, the rec center that I worked at, we actually were members at, and we'd sort of volunteering there and like had to help really get a pl- playground built there and had kind of worked in yeah. there. Um, that wasn't the goal, but I did, as soon as the first time I was there, I was like, I'd love to work here. Cause I yeah. felt like this is, this is making an impact in a community that I've like never seen, you know, these, these, yeah, these, of course. Uh, rec center absolutely has the opportunity to do that. So yeah, we, uh, that was, we didn't know when we left Marcel that I was like, Hey, I'm going to be done with this ministry thing. But, um, you know, it, we, I think the more you reflect on those, like, uh, those, like the Marcel years, like that was the best decision. Cause we were truly just going gut. This mm. is gut. This is, you know, and, and you regret it a little bit. I think a lot of people do that in life. And th- those were a lot of the Marcel years. You should, there'd be times you're like, man, they don't like this. Should we leave? I don't know. Do you want to leave? I don't know. Like there would be um, sometimes that discontentment or that stirring doesn't mean necessarily that is something that's like necessarily like evil and awful at the time. Sometimes you just realize it's not for you anymore. Yeah. Like this, this met us at a season and this was good for us in the season. Mm-hmm. And now let's go peace it's out. Something else, yeah. 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 And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know? Um, but so we, uh, went down to, to, when we went down to San Diego, we were kind of feeling that already. And I had also started stand up, and I was like, I think we just kind of need to, set a new thing here yeah. which is you know we have this and then i'm doing the stand-up stuff and this seems we'll see if this will go anywhere but if not we got this pretty sweet gig here at the rec center yeah and that's yeah. a nice transition thing yeah 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 those were great so, five years okay so in your stand-up like you talk about like being a pastor mm-hmm. and uh what is the joke obviously you could tell that i'm a youth pastor you're great at devotionals and and ping pong yeah, yeah which yeah. is r- right on cue and uh okay the the uh, comedian that you toured with, uh, Tomlinson is her last Taylor name? Tomlinson? Yeah. yeah. So she does, like, church stuff, too. Like, I've seen some uh, of her... She used to, yeah, not anymore. I've seen, like, in crowd work that she would, like, be fluent in church enough oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. It, it's like okay you clearly have some church connection yeah there. yeah i mean i'm not going to tell her story okay i don't and i'm tell, not trying but to... yeah she she definitely spent some years in churches gotcha well. yeah okay when you're doing material around church stuff how does that go usually? Like, do you think that you're assuming some level of like awareness of church when you're doing those jokes? Yeah, which the majority of the country has, and that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone knows what church is. Everybody knows what youth group is. You know, like they either got invited to it at one point or they were raised in it. You know, I mean, there's certain maybe areas or markets and places that you go to that maybe maybe if I'm doing some alty show and. NSF, they're not feeling it, but I bet a lot of them would be actually, you know, I think that yeah. there's certain point things. I think churches and the, 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 the nomenclature and the culture and the zeitgeist of, of who Just we a are. A lot of big words right Yeah, there. exactly. That's pretty uh, impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah, of who, of who we are. Like you can yeah. say things, there's certain things like you're like, ah, this feels like second service. I, people know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's certain church words that everybody knows. Okay. Can I tell you a story? Mm-hmm. I, uh, Six or seven years ago, there's a comedian named Pete Holmes mm-hmm. who was doing a show in Dallas. Yeah. And he has a friend named Rob Bell, who friend of mine. So I emailed Rob and said, Hey, Pete's coming through Dallas. I lived in Dallas at the time. You're friends with Rob Bell? Uh, like I was friends enough to email him and say, Hey, yeah. Pete's coming through town. Can you introduce us? I remember and, watching those Numa videos as a kid in a youth group, like, Oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a heretic. 
But <laughs> he was too cool. He was, you know, a but, lot of the, a lot of the artsy guys always go that way eventually. But he's like your enemy, though. Like as a the other Marcel, like you couldn't. No, like him. no, not anymore. I don't got any enemies. I'm no, I'm, but back I'm, then, I'm a, like, yeah, no, I'm a free agent at this point. Okay, you know, I'm just I go a little bit everywhere. I'd like, okay. you know, but I remember watching that same when I first time I heard like Gunger. I was like, oh, these guys are too good. <laughs> they're, they're not going to last. Are, they're not going to last here. They're too good. I know it. You know, they're going to keep going and they're going to get expressive. And then, then people, it's like it's a, we it's a, we've seen it so many times you know you like you love the cool artsy thinker guy and then he keeps thinking and you're like well now you don't think right anymore so we don't put you on the team anymore and then they deconstruct and that yeah a cycle yeah it i is. like that people act like deconstruction is this new thing too like guys when i was a kid we had a hit song literally called losing your religion like it was on night it was it was a hit song i don't know i this is a, this is a little, a little rem this is a little yeah. ra- rant that i have right now that gen-, gen z kind of acts like this deconstructions this new thing we've been doing this forever man <laughs> this is what we do you mm-hmm. raised a certain way you have some earned ideas it's the old like um I think people have a, a, because your church relationship is so often tied up into your parents and your upbringing, you're gonna, that's all gonna unravel at some Mm -hmm. point. It always does. Like if I meet like a 40 year old dude who's still like really respects and his dad is his hero, I was like, dude, you're a crazy person. (laughs) Your dad is your, you, you don't see the flaws in your dad yet. You know, like, like it's a part of it. That's, it's the old Oscar Wilde quote. I'm going to botch it a little bit. It says, when you're a kid, you love your child. Uh, when you're a kid, you love your parents. And when you're an adult, uh, you despise them. And sometimes, eventually, you learn to forgive them. Like, that's the process. Mm. This process with people's childhood, whether it was good or bad, everyone kind of has to go through it. And so, when you see people doing it right now, I don't mind. I think that's healthy. Everybody has to do that. Yeah. But it's not like a new thing. It's mm-hmm. not like this. I didn't know, like, hashtag exvangelical. Like, All right, guys. I don't know. Uh, this is a, this is a dumb rant, but this is just this is just me being an old crotchety thing. Like you guys didn't invent deconstruction. All right, we've been doing this forever. Read an old book. They used to do it very publicly. The episode that I put out like literally five hours ago was on deconstruction. It's a good thing. And so it's you, great to do. I needed you for that Pilgrim's one. Pilgrim's Progress is about deconstruction. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. It's like the best-selling book in America other than the Bible or maybe Osteen beat him by now. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, that's the idea. It's, it's part of life, though. It's, it's a normal. It's a, it's a totally normal part of life. And I, to kind of bring it back to what you're talking about with my kids, like, we want to encourage that mm-hmm. so that when you do wander, it's not like tied up in shame and embarrassment and like, or like the sense of like rebellion, mm-hmm. like anything like if my kid comes up to me and he's like, hey man, I'm not, I don't know, I'm, I'm uh, the resurrection thing, uh, it's, yeah. it's uh, and I go, yeah, that's cool, man. That's, I get it. I, yeah. You know, let's have a we can have a conversation about it, but I'm not gonna. So much of that is like tied into just like again, like shunning and shame. And yeah. man, if you wanna, if you wanna make sure someone for sure never comes back to an idea, shame them when they doubt it. That's give them give them a hard time about them wrestling with their ideas now, and you will just slam the door forever on that. Yeah. So I had a phone call not too long ago. Uh, people care a lot about their. Their uh, teenage son said that they don't believe in the resurrection anymore, mm-hmm. Jesus anymore, and they were mourning this loss. Mm-hmm. And I like I, I respect that as a parent. Like this is you know tough for you. This is a big big loss. Like you've imagined li- like your life a certain way, and this is not in that like imagined life. But my comment to them was, well, 
okay, but are we sure this is forever? Like, right. are, are we sure that this is uh, going to be what is forever? I mean, right. I, there's a lot of things I thought when I was 17. Like, yeah. I thought I wanted to be an FBI agent. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't want to do that. No. no, I mean, at 15, I was like, I'm for sure going to get a baseball scholarship to, <laughs> to Stanford. I was Stanford. I was yeah, shooting you were going big. There. Yeah, wow. it wasn't even a doubt. I was as sure of that as I was the resurrection of Christ. Wow. Yeah. So not only were you a good athlete, you were good as a prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And then life kind of <laughs> fell apart in a lot of reasons, but that's a different podcast but the uh yeah but the other thing too that i would say to those parents and maybe this isn't that this is what i would say but it's not what you should say is go uh well how do you know what you think is right are you sure that you're the right Hmm. one here and are you so confident in every little thing that you believe there's such when you like shame someone for like walking away from it it's so it's so rooted in arrogance like, it's so rooted in pride that you're like, well, that's what right I way. believe is right. I remember I had that, like, like you, I I held on to a pretty uh, rigid version of Christianity for, like, 10 years. Hmm. And it was literally the only version of Christianity I'd ever been taught, not down to, like, just some of, like, the basic tenets, but down to, like, the how we do leadership and what we believe on communion and yeah. and our ministry strategy. And you believed all of those equally. And you go, did the Lord just love you more than everybody else, that he just planted you in the right place at the right time in history? And you, you're right on all of these things, all of these things. You are unequivocally right on all i remember like it was back when i was saying like in like some of the more reform cultures and stuff i remember hearing uh so many guys saying things like well i believe with i agree with luther on all of this except his take on baptism and i would i'm i laugh out loud at that idea that you're like you literally your version of church doesn't even exist without this guy (laughs) and you're nitpicking him our version of church didn't even exist until the 1500s and we're like no but this is the right way i know it hasn't existed for the majority of human history (laughs) i know the idea of a protestant evangelical church literally is a western idea of the last last 500 years but it is the only right way (laughs) (laughs) it's such a it's such a crazy arrogant thought when you think about it like man i'm lucky i was born now because you know, anything before the 1500s, They're I was going to be a yeah. Catholic, because yeah. <laughs> that's what we had, you know? <laughs> so true. But you, like, there are things that, like, we hold on to. Like, for you, it's like, loving people is the center of it. Yeah. And so, at some point, you do want your kids to say, like, I, I do believe this, and one day, I think you probably will come around to this idea that's ultimately about love. Right. Right? It would be funny if that's, if if it if it was the thing that like the idea is rooted that no matter what your kids will rebel from you they just they re- they rebel against being nice to people ah, love is just stupid. the biggest jerks yeah. ever <laughs> just absolute nihilists they believe nothing they're mean to everybody that would be a but but they memorize a, all of luther and they yeah. do everything he thinks <laughs> i got all those theses down and oh, it's what i hold on so to good it's so good yeah uh so that's where your kids are going to end up obviously we'll, yeah 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 we'll absolutely. have that just jerks intervention down the road um this has been a lot of fun we haven't talked any like comedy that's but all right hey, that's what? fine i feel like you do probably talk about that all the time yeah, you do a lot of like, how do you get your start, and how do you come up with your material, and then you just smile along. Okay, and, I don't yeah. want to ask that question. Yeah, I do yeah, want to yeah. ask one question though. Yeah. So, uh, long story short, I met Pete. Uh, and oh yeah, then sorry. Pete, and then the guy who opened for him was a guy named Brent Sullivan. And remember, yeah, I know Brent. Do you really? Yeah. I mean, we've worked together here and really? there. Really? Yeah. 
He's a fabulous... I have him on the podcast once. Yeah. Just a lovely gentleman. Yeah, good dude. I, I literally have uh, emailed him for punchlines. Uh, oh, funny. For stories that... Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a story that I told on Easter Sunday, and uh, he helped me with the punchline for it. it was pretty oh, good. That's so nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not he, saying he's getting into heavens no, now. Uh, but Brent, Brent, I, I, I like Brent. I always say he's really funny. And then this is one of those things that you, uh, you ever like have one thing go wrong in a relationship, and then you worry so much that they hate you. Yeah. Uh, I he I ran a show in in Seattle in Seattle in San Diego for a long time called Les Stats and he came down and he was doing the show and I was introducing him and I forgot his name. He was the headliner and I forgot his name because you know you introduce all the names yeah, and yeah, it happens yeah. every once in a while and no, I kept thinking sure. of another comedian named Brent Lowry and uh, and I think he hates me now forever but well, I really like him. That's, that's, what, that's what I was getting to. Is that he he hates wanted me to yeah. tell you he hates you and the reason I have the small microphone is so yeah. I can hit you yeah, with yeah, it anytime If anything I've said so far that's the first beating I do deserve yeah it was my show i had booked him i was a fan of him I and you forgot story. his and name i forgot his name but uh, i'm terrified of do- like i did my grandma's wedding her second you one you forgot her name no i wrote her name like in big letters at the top of the paper because okay, i didn't want to forget because it can happen to anyone oh yeah absolutely even with your grandma dude you ever i mean i've officiated a few weddings in my day not one just a couple months ago and the last name uh i had always known her as lucy but her last name is sinsimer but I didn't know how to say it. She was just Lucy to me. And I mean, I worked harder on memorizing that name than the, the rest of the thing. Yeah, because you don't want to Brent Sullivan. Just, exactly. Just And you don't want to say her last name wrong in front of her family. No. That's like, I mean, the ultimate you had one job thing. Just, yeah, you can't get over that one. Yeah, that's kind of the end of it. Yeah. I, I, like I've done a few weddings for people who uh, English is not like their language. Mm-hmm. And like trying to memorize names in other languages, Ooh. that's... That's top shelf. Yeah, ironically, the other guy's name was Aaron Weber, and I missed his oh. name. I nailed Sinsheimer, and then Aaron Weber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not really. Anyways, Pete Holmes, were you gonna? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so anyway, long story short, they said you should try stand up. So I did for summer. I did some open mics in oh, Austin, nice. and then uh, one of the things that Brent had talked to me about was the idea that stuff that works in Middle America versus the coasts. And the idea of like comedy club humor versus like church humor as like being vastly different. Sure. And like I learned that one the hard way, uh, <laughs> very painfully. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, okay. So you talk about stuff that works like in the middle America, the heartland of America, isn't always stuff that's going to work, say, in SF, as you call it, San Francisco sure. or New York. And so like, there's different like kind of like rooms you're working in that you have to adjust to. As someone who's done both the like professional comedy scene and also like, jokes in church i assume sure yeah i mean you i they're absolutely right i mean and uh i resonate exactly with what they're saying there is stuff that just plays differently in different rooms and different settings and that makes sense because they're different cultures for sure that's what it comes down to you know uh just as if you went across the country there's going to be different cultures or or, you know to a different country you go to canada there's different things that you're Mm -hmm. going you know um uh the the goal for me is to find the jokes that work everywhere that just go like okay but this is such a good joke and this is such either a relatable idea or just an undeniably good joke that it'll work at a mic and it'll work at a you know show in austin and portland Mm -hmm. and davenport and tallahassee and wherever it may be that's and but that's what i try and do in my comedy that's i try and i try and 
build something that is good everywhere. And I don't really have a lot of interest in just like having like, I, I, I just don't think I, I'm good enough to have, I don't like a Batman like utility belt, which is like, all right, I have this one for the liberal shows and this one for the conservative shows. I just want to build one thing That's that kind of works for all. everybody, which is why it's important to work the road and to be in LA and to do all the different kind of shows because you'll find out like, no, this is just a joke that's, this joke works in the South and nowhere else and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. this joke works in California, but doesn't work in the South, you know, so. That makes sense. But it also, some guys, some people want to be able to play everywhere and some people go like, no, I don't want to. I only want to play the South. I have no interest in ever being able to go and do a show, you know, at some uh, alti room in Austin. I have no no desire for that whatsoever, yeah. you know. And you can make a living doing that. Do whatever you want. Like, what yeah. do I care? Works like great. Yeah. <laughs> so the the opening joke I used was reminiscent of a joke on your, which not as good as yours by any means, but uh, like your new special, you said you got married when you're 19, mm-hmm. which means that you're either military or Mormon. Mm-hmm. But that was the part, like the tag that, but I don't like secrets. I don't like big, uh, neither. Yeah. I don't like big groups with secrets. Yeah, that, that's a great, way better than mine. I said that I got married when I was 21, which is another way of saying I grew up religious. Yeah, absolutely. S- same yeah. joke. Yeah, like yeah, that, you know. That plays, like everyone gets that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. And uh, I've been adding, you know, I, I do a new one where I go like, like, uh, you know, I grew up a uh, uh, Christian and we believe that love is patient, which is why I got married in 19, <laughs> you know, like, and people get like, love is patient, love is kind. That's out there. People yeah. know what we're, we're doing here. Even if they don't know that that's from first Corinthians, they know like, uh, Bible that, weddings, Bible, we yeah. get that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Interesting. Well, um, okay, we're over time, but Dustin, this has been good. Thanks for having me. And uh, the Marshall stuff, that that's interesting. That's very fascinating. I don't think, we, did we actually say anything, did I actually say anything of substance on it? I, think. I feel like you did, <laughs> and my computer keeps turning off for some reason. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, no, I feel like you said some substance, substantive stuff. All I, you know, on that kind of stuff, like, again, I was never at the type level where I could speak on it some high level, but I, you can only talk about how it experienced you individually, which is, yeah. you know, that was kind of our, you go, you walk away with some jadedness and some skepticism and some understanding that, um, you know, it, it, I think it affects a lot of you, your views on even things like politics, when you realize you're like, oh, these are just people. Yeah, these are just people who are making these decisions, and people have biases, and people have agendas, and some people have big ambitions and want to have the biggest church in the world, or they want to run the country, or and you start to see similarities, and you go like, okay, there are things like church and government and businesses, mm-hmm. where you have people who make a f- big decisions that affect the people behind them, and and it you it'll really kind of start to narrow down what your priorities of the faith are and what the church are uh, dare i say have a deconstruction <laughs> there it is full circle you can get away from it now i get to, okay let me get you out on this uh we have a handful of mutual friends mm-hmm. uh annie f downs yeah uh she's referred to on my podcast as annie f and downs See, we, well, I don't do that on mine. Yeah. I just refer to her as AFD. Like, no. that's just my abbreviation yeah. for Annie. Um, or Aunt Annie, as my daughters call her. Uh, Jonathan Merritt, who mm-hmm. turns out is your literary agent. Uh, yeah. Scott Erickson. Scott, Okay, yeah. so here's what I want. Rank those in terms of most likely to get into heaven. Most likely to get in heaven. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Merritt won because he signed me a book deal. <laughs> and, uh, and then... Maybe I maybe actually Annie won because Annie connected me to Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. 
and then she'll promote said book, Lord willing. That'll be so there that's like a one A, one B and then C and then Scott is a distant C. Yeah, there's you know? there's good luck, Scott. Yeah, sorry, Scott. Yeah, you're we did an IG live, he flipped me off. He's out. Yeah, that seems pretty consistent. I feel like on <laughs> on my podcast, I think within the first five minutes, he said uh, something about Town Lake being a place, which is a lake in Austin, mm-hmm. where there are a lot of butts and bros. And I was like, yeah, low chance to get into heaven for that. <laughs> low chance. Did it even get on the podcast? Yeah, I didn't edit it out. I oh, there you go. Have. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, here we are. Um, Dustin, this has been fun. This has been great. Thanks yeah, for having thanks, me. Dude.